Well, today's kind of a fun day for me because we uh, we are not in a series. We call these standalone Sundays, and uh, I get to kind of pick what God has put on my heart in a single stand kind of sermon. Normally, we preach in a series, and we have, you know, stacking each week kind of all goes together, and we sort of follow a theme. But today is a standalone, and I'm extra excited about it being a standalone today because I actually need you. You know, uh, you may have heard this said before by me. Uh, I say, uh, when I come up here on a Sunday, uh, I look at this room and I don't look at it as like, I'm the pastor behind the pulpit who's going to preach a sermon. While I very much reverence sermons and the pulpit and the office of pastor and the ability to speak God word, I do do that. I reference or I reverence that. But for me, my philosophy when I get up here is like, hey, this is just one big giant living room and it's full of a bunch of people that we love. Most of you I love, I think. And um, and so and so we're together and we're just family and we're just talking about what God is doing and how God is moving. And so that's always how I approach this. And I think that's probably why you see so much come out of me, laughter and humor, you know, being normal and crying and all the different things that happen uh, is because this is just this is family. This is who we are. It's one giant living room. And so today I actually need you. <laughs> okay, and I love you, too. Um, he gets paid every time he says that. So. <laughs> That's Josh's gig there. Um, but, uh, but so today, I actually, you get to help me because last week, Easter Sunday morning, I got offended. And um, instead of paying for my counselor to help me, I'm just going to share it all with you and you can help me. And then, and then I hope I'll feel better after it. But uh, before I tell you what that's about, let's pray and we'll jump into it today. So God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your presence in this room, God. We don't want to do anything by our own might, our own thought, our own hands, our own abilities. But God, we just want all of you, Holy Spirit, move and direct and guide and speak and um, make us into the people that you've called us to be. Lord, share what we need today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So yeah, it was Easter uh, last week, of course, and uh, I usually get here pretty early in the morning. I like to have a lot of time to get up in my office and pray and worship and wake up and you know do a bunch of different stuff. And, and so I, when I'm up there, one of the things I like to do with other pastors in town and pastor friends that I have all over, really all over the country, is I'll fire off texts to different people and just say, hey, praying for you and your church today and you know give them heaven and you know pray that you're going to have a great Sunday. And we go back and forth and it's kind of just a part of my morning. And uh, another thing that I do in that same time is there's some Facebook groups that I'm in uh, that other pastors are in and some of of them are, you know, kind of in the same time frame we are as far as a church plant. And so we can go on and motivate and encourage one another and pray over one another in the morning. And so that's a pretty normal thing on a Sunday. And um, this Sunday, uh, I read one of the posts in one of the pastor groups, and it like made me so annoyed. And uh, a lot of times like sermons actually just come out of annoyances that fester. And then I get into God's word and it like grows a sermon out of it. And, uh, and that's a little bit of what happened today. And so I'm going to share it with you. We're going to work through it. And then I believe by the end of it, you're going to save me 150 bucks on counseling. Okay. That's what we're doing. So, but this pastor went on there and I get his heart. I, I, I didn't like go after him or anything like that, but he went on. And of course it being Sunday morning, he said to all of you pastors out there today who are going to do the single most important thing any human can do today on the most important day out of any day. He said, uh, you are called for the high call of you're going to preach God's word today. And it's the most important thing any human can do. So he's really trying to set preachers up above anybody else, like put us in our own class of the elite who've been chosen to preach the word on Easter Sunday morning. Now, again, I understand what his heart was and what he's saying, but I'm over here to say that is not at all what is the most important thing 
to take place. As a matter of fact, I would actually argue all of the things that happened before the sermon was ever delivered is more important. And what I'm talking about is I'm talking about the prayer that went into it, the study that went into it, the seeking God that went into it. How many know what I'm talking about? I love what uh, Charles Spurgeon says. He says, I'd rather teach one man to pray. I'd rather teach one man to pray than 10 men to preach. I'd rather have a stage full of prayers rather than one full of preachers. You notice Jesus said, he said this, he didn't say, hey, write some sermons about me and I'll give you the nations. He didn't say, preach to the crowds and I'll give you the nations. What did he say? He said, ask of me and I'll give you the nations. Seek me. Pray to me. Be in relationship with me. How many know what I'm talking about today? Our direct ability to be able to reach nations, and how many know the nations need to be reached in our hour? Can I get an amen? Our ability to have influence and impact and leadership and make a difference in dark places among the nations, the scripture says it's not tied to how good we preach, how good we do small groups, how good we do worship, and all of that stuff is important. The scripture says, hey, if you want to become influential and make a difference in nations, we got to be a people who learn how to go to the Father. So today, standing alone, uh, this sermon, I want us to begin to really visit and look at, are we asking of God in our lives? Are we going to him? Are we seeking him? God says, hey, you want to be influential? You want to make a difference? You want to see things turn? It's not going to be way of sermons. And, and again, all those things are important. It's by us going to the Father and asking of him. Are you with me today? Ask of me and I'll give you the nations. I believe in these last days, if we're living in the end times, you know, you used to be able to sort of sophisticatedly uh, connect and make a difference and, and influence people. You know, churches would have programs and they would have classes you could get in and they would do skits and dramas and theaters and all these different things they would put together in church. But it seems like nowadays the only thing that's going to break the darkness off and break the heaviness off is going to be the power of God. Are you with me? The only thing I believe in the end times, we need to raise up churches that are praying and seeking God and going to the Father. Because I think it's what the scripture says. It's not going to be by might nor by power, but it's going to be the spirit of God moving in his church. Are you with me today? Think about this. We, religion has taken prayer, asking of God. He said, ask of me, I'll give you the nations. Ask of me, I'll, I'll make you influential. I'll make you make a difference in your communities. You ask of me, you go to me, you pray. Religion has made this a chore. Religion has made this like, well, just we better pray. Man, I guess we gotta check this off the list. And God's like, no, 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 hey, like I've seated you, I've positioned you to be a people that when you go to me, I can make you leaders of nations. And I'm not trying to like take over political power. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like, we can destroy darkness. How many know what I'm talking about? But religion has been like, well, it's our chore. I guess we better make sure we get our prayers in today. But listen to this. In heaven, this is what Revelation says. And I know all of us kind of struggle and I don't have enough time to break down all of this revelation. But Revelation chapter 8, you read Revelation, you're like, what kind of hippie put this together, right? There's visions and animals and trees and dragons. And you're like, I want to know that guy, you know? And we can't break it all down today, but there's all this kind of stuff. But there's this one thing that, that gives us this picture of heaven. I want you to hear how amazing our prayers are. The scripture says in Revelation chapter 8 that in heaven there's golden bowls. Just hang with me. There's these golden bowls. And the scripture says that these golden bowls in heaven are filled with the prayers of the saints, me and you. 
And the scripture says this about those prayer bowls that are being filled. The scripture says, and as the angels talk about them and the different things that are happening inside these prayer bowls of our prayer requests, the scripture says that those prayers that fill those golden bowls, the scripture says that they are a sweet aroma, a sweet incense, a sweet odor to heaven. So when you wake up, you're like, oh, I better pray, better pray. Instead, heaven is actually like, fill the bowls. I want to, I want to get some of that. I hope that you wake up this morning and you go to the father and you fill these bowls because it's a pleasing aroma unto God. How many know what I'm talking about? It's not some chore. It's not something like, oh, we better get our prayers in today. Prayer is such an amazing thing that it's a sweet scent into heaven. God, the father, Jesus, sit it at the thing. It's like, oh, my people are filling the bowls again. I'm a scent guy. I like scents. I like, I like, I like it's like an important thing to me that things smell good. I'm going to give you a, a house hack right here. You can't do it right now because I'm watching you, but go on pura.com. I'm going to change your house scent game. You go to pura.com, P-U-R-A.com. I should get kickback from this. Pura, if you're watching and you owe me something. But your house scent game is, gonna, is just going to change. And uh, if you go on there and you do that, again, not now because I'm watching, but, but it's just something I'm into. If you're one of those Disney weirdos, you ever go down to Disney and you stay at one of the resorts, many of you might not know this, but each different Disney resort has its own scent. Like you've ever been to the Amway Grand and you walk in here like, why does it smell so good in here? It's witchcraft. That's what that is. <laughs> and I love it. Uh, Disney does the same thing. But no, they have a machine there. And so if you're a Disney person who's gone to the different resorts, like literally on our trips, we're like, hey, we can't go home yet. We haven't gone over to the Polynesian Resort and smelled it yet. <laughs> we just love it. We love to smell it. So I'm a scent guy. Think about this. Think, think about like the different scents. Maybe you got a favorite cologne or perfume or something like that. You just, oh, I love the smell of those cookies or whatever. Think about this. Heaven right now. When you pray, when you go to the Father, it's like, hey, there's my people again. Are you with me today? It's an amazing thing. Unfortunately, according to Barna Research Group, prayer is the number one neglected practice in Christian uh, habits or whatever you would say, lifestyle. So you got praying and you have worshiping, you have reading your word. And according to Barna Research Group, it's the thing that Christians do the least. Heaven is saying, hey, you want to be influential in the nations? You want to make a difference? Ask of me. And Christians rank it last. They say this, the average American spends less than 10 minutes a day in prayer. The average American will spend more time in a day preparing their food than they will communing with the creator of heaven and earth. The average American will spend more time in a day on their cosmetics, putting on deodorant and brushing their teeth. Please keep doing that. (laughs) But you'll spend more time doing cosmetic things in a day than you will going to the one who holds your beginning and your end. What a huge disservice we're doing to the way that God has called us to live. Religion, again, has made it some kind of chore, some kind of thing. Uh, I thought about how God really gave me a revelation of how God wants to interact with us. He wants it to be relational. Prayer is relational. It's just connecting with God. It's communicating with God. From the very beginning, when you look at Genesis, our prayer life was meant to be just relational with God. Scripture says that in Genesis, as Adam and Eve were in the garden, it said that God's voice was among them. He walked with them in the cool of the day. What were they doing? They were sharing about all the things that God was doing in their life. So, hey, this is pretty cool. Check this out. Look what you're doing over here. Look what you're doing over here. God's desire is to go through the amazing things in your life with you. I remember uh, I got a revelation of prayer and how God wants to just be personal with us. Uh, When uh, I remember I had a night uh, where my daughter was like three and we were living at our old house and it had woods behind us. And uh, I remember it was just that it's just like out of nowhere. 
firefly season hit. And we had already, you know how it is to put three-year-olds to bed, right? Like every day you get a trophy and a medal if you can get a kid to bed at three years old. Like you, you know. And so we got her to bed and all this stuff. And I remember going outside and it went dark. And they were just peppered everywhere, fireflies. And I remember being like, man, it's the dad. Like, I want to do this with my daughter. I, I want to be in so communication and engagement with her that it's like this all right here. I want to experience this with her. I want to do this in relationship with her. And so, you know what I did? I did what every good bad dad did. Uh, I, I, I was like, went to Jess and I was like, hey, are you busy? She's like, yeah, I'm busy. And I was like, okay. And I snuck down and I got Caroline out of bed. <laughs> and I was like, hey, hey, come on. You got to see this. Look at all this kind of stuff. Why? Because my desire was to do all of this with her. Yeah. And God's like, that's what I desire to do with you. Your prayer life is, hey, God, look what's going on in my life. And I'm giving thanks for you, and I'm petitioning you, and I'm, are you understand what I'm talking about today? One of the things we know the enemy does, whenever there's war, or, uh, uh, someone's gone into battles, one of the very first things the enemy tries to do is wipe out communication. If I can sever your communication, you're not going to be able to advance and give direction and take your next steps and find your success. So what does a good enemy try to do? An enemy tries to come in and sever that communication. Why do you think your prayer life is so hard? Because the enemy knows this. Oh, if I can get him to just stop communicating with God. What did Jesus say about his prayer life? He said, hey, listen, I don't do anything unless the father reveals it to me. This guidance, this prayer, this going to the Father is so important that I'm not going to make a move until I have that assignment. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? And so the enemy comes and is like, hey, we got to cut that off. We got to make sure there's no communication. And he challenges our prayer life. Think about it in your real life. Let's just say that we applied our small percent of communication to regular life things. Like let's say our jobs. So you get out of college, you're getting ready to get that first amazing job. And you get in there and they're like... Uh, like, oh, hey, hey, we want to hire. And you say, okay, awesome. I'm excited to give you the next 50 years of my work career. I just need to let you know one thing. Um, I'm not going to talk for these 50 years. Like, I'm, we're just not going to communicate. I mean, no, that job wouldn't go very well. Yeah. What about in your marriage? You find your girl, and she's like, oh, she's amazing, and she's beautiful, and I want to spend the rest of my life with her. And so you propose, but then you let her know, hey, for the next 70 years that we're together, um, I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to communicate. Some of you are like, can you do that? Can you do that? <laughs> Some of you are like trying to do that. I'm telling you, that's not a good thing. I mean, no, you wouldn't have a very successful relationship. The creator of heaven and earth, the one who the scripture says the steps are ordered of the Lord. Like everything we do is laid out by God. Yet for some reason, we find it hard to go communicate. Are, are you with me today? Luke chapter 11, verse 1 talks about Jesus gives us this layout for how to pray. It's where we get the Lord's Prayer, but I'm going to take it a little bit further today. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 says this. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught the disciples. Now, these dudes were religious. They would have seen prayer before. It's not like Jesus was praying and they all went like, oh, what is he doing? What is this crazy thing that he's, no, they, they knew what prayer was, but there was something different about the way Jesus prayed. Yeah. And so of all the things they could have asked of Jesus, yeah. they didn't go, hey, Jesus, you know, we saw how you walked on water, teach us to do that. We saw, you know, you opened the blind eyes of all of the things, raising the dead, calming the waves. Scripture says that Jesus would teach and it would confound the wise of all of the things that Jesus did. They didn't say, oh, teach us how to write sermons. Teach us how to get followers like you get followers. They said, of all the things we could ask of you, teach us to pray. Yeah. 
Pray the way you pray. Why? Because there was so much significance connected to Jesus' ministry through his prayer life. And it's the same thing for us today. Can I get amen today? So teach us how you do that. Jesus in scripture is mentioned the most out of anybody as someone who prayed. Many times all throughout scripture. And Jesus prayed and he was in a solitary place and he went away and he prayed and he went away. Now here's what's crazy. Jesus was God. It was God and he still prayed. How much more so should we be a people of prayer? There's 650 prayers listed in the Bible, over 66 books, 450 recorded answers to prayer. And God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many know he still answers prayers? Can I get amen? We see Paul in Paul's writings, you know, much of the movement of the New Testament we get from Paul's writings. We see Paul mentions prayer all over the place. He mentions prayers, prayers, reports, prayer requests. He gives us uh, exhortations to pray. We see 43 different times Paul is mentioning through everything, prayer, 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 prayer. Why? Because Paul even realizes everything we do has got to be connected to the Father if we want to live the way he's called us to. Postures of prayer are all over scripture. We see that there's people sitting and praying in scripture. We see that there's people standing and praying. We see there's people kneeling in prayer. There's people face down in prayer. We see there's people in scripture, their hands are lifted in prayer. We know that as a teenager, there's a special kind of prayer that you enter into when your parents call you and use your middle name. You enter into a whole new level of prayer. We know there's sports praying. You know, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, when Michigan's getting ready to play Ohio State, you start making deals with God. Lord, if you do it this year, I promise I'll serve you and love you for the rest. Those are sports prayers. And he answers those. Amen. The Bible lists at least nine different types of prayer. There's the prayer of faith in James 5. We see that there's the prayer of agreement, also known as corporate prayer, in Acts chapter 2. We see there's prayers of request, also known as petition and supplication in Philippians 4. We see there's thanksgiving prayers in Psalm 95. We see there's prayer of worship in Acts 13. There's prayer of, con- prayer of consecration, also known as dedication, which you heard us mention like we're going to do in child dedication, uh, Matthew 26. We see there's prayers of intercession. Uh, in 1 Timothy 2, there's prayer of impartation, which is judgment, is in Psalm 69. There's praying in the spirit in 1 Corinthians 14. If prayer is so clear and obvious all over the Bible, how much more so should it be clear and obvious in our life? Can I get amen? We want to lead. We want to be influential. We can't leave it to the sermon, the worship leader, the Christian radio, the Christian television. We got to be a people who say, God, we want to see our nations change. Therefore, we ask of you. I love what Pastor Corey Russell says. He says that prayer will be the primary anointing of the end time church. It's not classes. It's not slick systems and and, and all of these leadership gurus within church. It's people that saying, hey, God, we need your anointing. We know that your anointing comes when we seek and ask of you. So they asked Jesus, hey, teach us how to pray. And then immediately after that, Jesus gives us the Lord's prayer. And so that's where we get the Lord's prayer. But now we're going to jump over the Lord's prayer to verse five, where he then gives us this little illustration. Jesus, right after giving us the the outline for the Lord's prayer, he gives us this. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, which I thought was pretty mean to say that to those guys. (laughs) Suppose you have a friend. They were like, oh, (laughs) and you go at midnight and say, so Jesus said, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, now this person obviously has to be like under 30 years old because anyone over 30, if you just try to show up at their house, you know, at midnight, there's going to be some problems. 
I know this to be true because last night uh, I was at a comedy show and uh, it got out. The event got over at like 10 to 9. And everybody over 30 years old was like, it's it's still light out. This is amazing. We're going to have enough time to go home and watch a program. This is going to be. And all the 30 year olds and under were like, what the heck is this? It's still light out. And they were like, we got to. And they're Googling restaurants and they're trying to go do something. And so there's a difference in age when it comes to the time of the night. Can I get anybody with me? So he says this. So he shows up at midnight and he says, friend. Again, this is Jesus kind of laying out an illustration. So he says, suppose you have a friend, you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. So a friend has come to him. He's got none to offer. So he runs over to this other person and says, I need some to offer. And suppose the one on the inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. Like, remember I just mentioned a minute ago, they already accomplished bedtime. Don't mess this up, all right? Don't wake the kids up. He said, I can't get up and give you anything, but I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And then after this, we get verse nine. So I say to you, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be open. I want to back it up here to the because of your shameless audacity, you're going to get what you need. Because you walked in there with shameless audacity in seeking what you needed. Scripture says you're, you're going to get it. It didn't say because of your friendship. Like your acquaintance, you just kind of chill, you just kind of this casual. It's not by kind of your haphazard. It's because you came in with some boldness and some audacity that that's going to be the thing that opens it up for you. Here's the translation of audacity. The, uh, I pray this over this church. I pray this over everybody listening, no matter your church background, no matter how you're listening online. This is the definition of the shameless audacity. It's the lack of sensitivity to what is proper. We need a church of God to begin rising up in this time that lacks the sensitivity to what is just proper. Well, you know, we don't like that when you talk about signs and wonders and the miraculous and healings. That's just, it doesn't fit in our proper little, are you with me today? This, this audacity, this boldness to go in and say, you know what, I, I lack any sensitivity to what religion is trying to tell me is proper. I'm believing what God paid for, what he died on the cross for is still, are you with me today? So the sensitivity to what is proper, it goes on to say, <coughs> carelessness about the good or average opinions of others. This bold person who said, God, this is what we need. And I'm going to be careless. I'm going to be reckless. I don't really care about the opinions of others and where they say we need. Well, that signs and wonders and praying for the miraculous. How about you just move it over here to average? Stop, stop doing all that. Like God wants to move and bring breakthrough. Can you just bring it over to average? This person saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm too careless for all that play it safe kind of stuff. I believe God paid too much. Are you with me today? So these are the people. The scripture saying this is the one who, who God shows up for. It says it, it, the careless about the good or the average opinions of others, shameless boldness. Yeah. 
shameless boldness. This audacity might be you heard of something or you saw something happen and you would, you would go, oh, the audacity of that person. Oh, it takes my breath away, that audacity. Oh my gosh. They got that doctor's diagnosis that said it was terminal, but then they turned around and said, oh no, God's going to do a miracle and I'll live and not die. Oh, the audacity to believe God at his word. You know what I'm talking about today? Well, pastor, what about when it doesn't work? I'm going to have the audacity to get up here again yeah. and say God's desire is to heal everyone. Yeah, right. Well, they didn't hear the last one, but my, uh, my belief is that God wants to heal everything. Here's the thing. Uh, I'll just kind of say it for everybody in the room. Many of you know we've been praying and contending for uh, just a, a sweet young woman in our church who's got five kids. She's been battling cancer, and she went to be with Jesus last night. And I knew that this prayer was in my iPad. This sermon was in my iPad. So right away, I'm like, Lord, would you like me to preach another sermon today? Because I'm going to be preaching on the power of prayer and how God wants to move and a shameless, boldless prayer. But you know why God has me preaching this sermon? Yeah. Because I need to say to the atmosphere that every single time Amen. we're going to carelessly go after and above average. We're going to believe for signs, wonders, and the miraculous every time. Well, are you going to get people's hopes up and maybe it won't work out? Can I tell you something? It did freaking work out. You know why? Because she's in heaven today with her Savior. And there is no defeat in this house today. Are you with me? Come on, somebody praise God. They'll edit that out. I shouldn't say that stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you're not the one at the bedside. When someone looks at you and says, Will you get a team together and come pray? Because we're out of options. And I say, Of course I will. Because the book of Isaiah says that it was by his stripes we can walk in healing. Are you with me? Yeah. So we're not going to move over to average or to the middle, and we're not going to try to play it safe because God says it's the one with boldness that goes after. Are you with me today? Audacity. I, I, I'm happy to be the person lacking sensitivity, what is proper, because God paid for more than proper. Are you with me today? So he says, if you ask and you seek and you knock, many times we live weak lives because our prayer lives are weak. I'm not saying God doesn't do it or God didn't move or God doesn't do this because we didn't pray enough. Don't let me go down that. Don't, don't, don't let yourself go down that road. But God does say that you have not because you ask not. I hope that we don't get to places in our life where we can then look back and see and go, oh my gosh, I wish I would have asked more. I wish I would have contended more. I wish I would have won to the one who holds our whole world in his hand. How many know what I'm talking about? We have powerless churches because we have prayerless churches. The size of our prayers reveal the size of the faith we have in our God. I believe boldness precedes breakthrough. Mark Batterson says, bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by our biggest dreams or our boldest prayers. He's offended by anything less. If your prayers are impossible to you, if your prayers aren't impossible to you, they are insulting to God. Who you become is determined by how you pray. Ultimately, the transcript of your prayers becomes the script of your life. Mark Batterson. I believe this, 
the greatest tragedy in life is the prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. We need careless. I don't care about opinions. I don't care about what people might say or what we might look like. Let's go boldly to the one. How many know what I'm talking about? Sierra mentioned to me in between services, one of her favorite quotes is this, God delights in the impossible. Are we living and praying and believing with such faith and pull on God that everything he died on the cross for is in full pull in our life? Are we playing it safe somewhere in the compromising middle where we just don't want to rock the... Are you with me today? Our lack of prayer results in lack of power. Anytime you are low on power, it's time to get high on prayer. I just feel down and and you put your head down and you feel the weight of the world. Anytime you are feeling low on power, it's time to get high on prayer. Scripture says, I'll close with this. The scripture says that it was at midnight. It was the darkest hour. It's in our darkest time where we feel the most down and defeated. We feel the most, I'm in this dark season. I feel down. It's this tough season. We can let ourselves feel like a victim. We can let ourselves feel like, no, no, this is just my cross to bear. I need to just journey through this valley. And we do things like we don't reach out for prayer. We don't ask. People say this to me all the time. They come to me, Pastor, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I hate to do this. Uh, I, really, I really hate to do this. I hate to ask. I hate to do this. Um, but will you pray for me? And I'm like, hate to ask? This is what we're here for. Yeah. This is what we're here for. Are are you with me today? You get in the dark seasons, you get in the midnight hours, and you can't let yourself be somebody who just gets overburdened and lets yourself believe that you're the victim or that you deserve it. No, we got to go ask boldly. Are you with me today? When life is dark, we pray bold prayers. When the relationship is breaking apart, when the sickness is on your life, when the kids begin acting crazy and the addiction begins to rear its head again and depression tries to find its way back in again, when we're in those dark midnight hours, it's when we pray bold prayers. We can't let our pride say, oh no, this is something for me to journey. Proverbs twenty nine twenty three says, pride brings a person low. But it says, but the lowly, Scripture says, the lowly in spirit gain honor, get lifted to a place of honor. What does that scripture mean? It means the ones that comes and says, hey, I need you right now. I need you to pray with me. I need you to stand with me. I need you to journey with me. I need you to be in my corner. Scripture said, those are the ones that get elevated to a place of honor. C.S. Lewis says it this way, a proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. God is always up to something, so look up. I'm so grateful for our worship leader. Cody gets up here and he says, hey, we got to look up. You reign above it all. It's time for us to put off that spirit of heaviness and look up. Because I believe this, when we're down to nothing, God is always up to something. It's in those moments we can count on him. There's a key that God gave us to overcoming these uncertain, these midnight hours. There's this key that I want to give you today. Many times when the dark season comes and the midnight hour hits, we do something first. We all, rela- we all react. There's like a fill in the blank that you do first. Maybe for you, it's fear. Maybe that's your first reaction when your midnight hour hits. It's fear first. And you just, oh, what are we going to do? And you begin thinking about all the worst case scenarios of all the things that could happen. You fear first. Or maybe your fill in the blank is a little bit different. Maybe what you do when, when you have your midnight hour hit, maybe you do this. You avoid 
It's like, I, I can't, I can't handle this. I can't do this. I need to run from that or run from this. And I know God brought me to here and I, and I thought that he would bring me through it, but I just need to avoid all this and you bail. Maybe another first for you is, is you panic. You just fill in your blank with when your midnight hour hits, you just freak out. And you get so busy and you're just running in panic mode and you start this and do this and you make yourself so busy until you crash. Maybe that's what you do. Maybe this is a tough one. Maybe for you, like a lot of us do, maybe you complain first. Something happens, your midnight hour hits and just here comes your mouth of just negative, 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 negative. And the scripture tells us this, life and death is in the power of your tongue. What you speak, you will reap. Like our future... Our future is in our words. My mentor has always taught it to me this way. Like your future is on your tongue. What you speak, you'll live. So we can't be a complain first people. Maybe some of you are this. Maybe the first thing you do is just Google. (laughs) Your midnight hour hits and you're like, I can figure this out. You jump on Google and then Google gives you one answer for everything. They're like essential oil. That'll fix everything. (laughs) Like, my car is smoking, and I think my engine's burning up. And they're like, lavender essential oil. (laughs) And you just try to intelligently, intellectually, you just try to fix it on your own. But Philippians says this, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by a good sermon preached. Nope. By a good small group. All those things matter. It says, but by prayer. In petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Go to the Father. That's what we do first. We go to the Father. Faith doesn't ignore the facts. It ignores the power of the facts. The issue is there, but so is the miracle working power of God. And we serve of God who's overcome it all. The scripture says, take heart because I've overcome it all. So today I want to leave you again, kind of back to where I started. Is it, is it all about the sermon? No, it's not all about a sermon. The preached word is the most important thing we can do. And I believe one of the most important things we can do is before we do anything, we go to the father. They asked Charles Spurgeon as revival was breaking out in his ministry. And he had all these amazing things taking place. Uh, Some teams of people came to Spurgeon's church and they're like, you got to show us your secrets. You got to show us how all of this is happening and how God is moving. He said, "Okay, I can do that. And they expected to see his office with all these great books and theology insight and all of this slick leadership stuff that he all put together. And when they got there, he took them into the basement of this church. And they're like, the basement of the church? And it didn't look as fancy as everything else. And it wasn't the, the, the rich mahogany offices that maybe he thought they would all be. And they get him into this basement and they begin to hear people talking and making noise. And there's kind of chaos coming from this room. And uh, Charles says, let me show you the engine room. Let me show you where everything comes from. All of the move of God, all of the stuff that you're seeing happen. Let me show you where that all comes from. And he takes them into what he calls the engine room, which is the prayer room. And he says this, he said, if the engine room is out of action... The whole mill will grind to a halt. We cannot expect blessing if we do not ask. Some of you have had some prayers that didn't go your way. And you're like, I'm jumping out of the engine room. I was praying. I was trying. I was contending. This is not what we thought we were going to see. 
And the enemy's temptation to you today is to be like, see, what a waste. Just get out of the prayer room. But if the prayer room, if that comes to a halt, if we stop praying, the moves and the works of God will come to a halt. And I'm just telling you, we have to be in a season in this hour that we're in as an end time church that we got to get back in the engine room. We got to get this thing back up to full power because as, as he said, we cannot expect blessing. We cannot expect move of God. We cannot expect revival and transformation in our communities if we are not asking of it. Amen. I'm going to give you a couple of recommendations, and then we are going to ask God of some things before we leave today. I'll do it real quickly. Here's a book. Um, this book is more for first service people because it says a simple guide for normal people. <laughs> you second service people are different. I'm just kidding. This is a great book uh, to just say, okay, how do I start? What does this look like for me? How do I jump into this? The forward is by Mark Batterson, so I think he's great. He, he's just really a man of prayer. This is a great book. You could get it on Amazon. As I mentioned, Mark Batterson, I read a lot of quotes of his that really come from this book. Mark Batterson called The Circle Maker and uh, praying circles around your biggest dreams and greatest fears. Such a great strategy for just prayer and uh, encourage you to check that one out. All of these again on Amazon. Pastor Chris Hodges is uh, one of the pastors over our church planting organization, ARC, that we're a part of. He wrote this book a couple months ago called Pray First, a little bit of what I was even just preaching a minute ago. And um, you can get that one on Amazon. Amazon as well. And then Corey Russell, I mentioned him as well and teach us to pray. He goes more in depth than I did on, uh, on that whole deal there of the disciples asking about prayer. Here's what I would say. I know that we all got a lot of shows to finish. We got stuff that we're binging and getting through and keeping up with, but can we just take a little break? And there's four books right there. Can we just devote the next six weeks or however long it takes you? Can we read one of these books? saying, just God, look, I know the season that we're in and, and prayer matters and, and we're going to ask you of the nation. So I think one of those four books, you can get those on, on all five ways uh, that you listen. Uh, you can get Kindle version, Audible version. Uh, you can get the soft cover, hard cover, and then pastor comes to your house and reads it to you, edition. That's all available on Amazon, uh, whatever works for you. Uh, but pick one of those up and, and I believe you're going to see God move. And we, we, we got to Again, build that engine room up. Amen? Now let's pray. Bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's just think right now. What's a midnight hour thing? What is something in your life right now where you're like, I need you, God, to move in this? I'm asking boldly. I'm asking shamelessly uh, with boldness to come and say, God, move. You say, well, Pastor, I don't have anything today. I don't actually have anything. Think of something for somebody else. I'm grateful that God gave us intercessory prayer where we can pray on behalf of somebody else. But let's pray and let's ask God to do what he does, which is lead us and guide us and move on our behalf. So God, we love you so much. We together are gathered in this room. Your word promises us that where two or three or more are gathered, you're in the middle, you're moving and you're working. And so God, we know that you're here. And God, you see and know all the midnight hours represented in this room, the opportunities for need and breakthrough. And God, you know what they are. And so, God, we, we use our authority. God, you said that we could, we could say to mountains, move, and they would be thrown into sea. God, I pray that whatever is setting itself up against the people represented here and those watching online, God, we cast those things down. And God, we just ask that you bring the breakthrough, the deliverance, the freedom. God, your word says that you give us the desires of our heart. And so, God, I know that this room is full of desire. 
things, Lord, that you've placed on the inside of people that have yet to come into fruition. God, I pray right now that you begin to grow those, that you begin to bring forth those things. Lord, whatever's set up against or hindering what you have, God, we, we bind and rebuke and we say that it'll come to naught. God, your word says that our steps are ordered of you. God, let us be like Jesus where we say, hey, we're not going to make any moves unless you first reveal it. So God, reveal our steps. Speak to us. God, give us a burden to pray. Lord, that end time anointing, that, that special attention on prayer, we desire that in our lives. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.